0: Welcome. You're listening to another edition of PAVED, where we share the path God has guided us in our everyday lives. Your host, Jessica, invites you to discover how God is working in your present day. Hey, welcome here today with to PAVED. We're here with Dr. Sherry Yoder. Um, She is the founder and president of Thriving Thoughts Global, where they inspire women to thrive on their thoughts. So Sherry, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So Thriving Thoughts
1: Global is a 501c3, and we have a big umbrella picture vision to change the way that we talk about and care for our mental health. And so we are very much, as a clinical former clinical psychologist, I have moved from the treatment side to establishing the nonprofit for the prevention side of mental health. And so the goal is to equip women with the tools they need to fortify their minds so that they can enhance their mental, emotional, and relationship worlds. And they do that through what I call the power of thought. And that's just kind of like a buzz phrase, but really what it boils down to is wielding your words wisely. And I did not mean to alliterate that. It just came out that way.
0: (laughs) So I understand that you have this story that kind of brought you to this point. Do you, and that's what we're kind of here to talk about. And because here on paid, we share the stories that, uh, the paths that God has paid for us. And so I'm going to open up the floor and let you share your story.
1: Yeah. Well, this is so timely, Jessica. Thank you for the opportunity, it's timely because I'm preparing to write a letter to my family. I have a large extended family. So I'm preparing to write a letter to them describing my path, um, describing how I got to Thriving Thoughts Global, what it is, and then, you know, asking for their help, asking for their donations. And as I was in the shower this morning, I wasn't even thinking about our conversations. God, God is so good. So I was thinking about this letter. And it incorporates my path. and incorporates my story. And so what I would like to uh, start with is not the very beginning, but where I never thought I'd end up, which was in the role of a clinical psychologist doing therapy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so people are going to say, well, why did you, you know, get your doctorate in clinical psych if you didn't want to be a therapist? Well, to that, I respond I got my doctorate in clinical psych because I didn't want to be a therapist because in my mind, when you have your doctorate, you can do other things. You could do research, you could do teaching, you can do writing, right? There, there's a lot of elements that you can do, but if I stopped at the master's level, I probably would have committed myself to um, ther- you know, therapy. So um, I was doing What you're supposed to do, I was on the traditional path and I opened up my private practice after I got licensed. And what you do is you sign up with insurance companies. And then once you're on insurance panels, uh, people who are provided for in that network, insured by that network, then find you. So that's how people get to know you and come find you and use your services. And that's how I filled up. So I did primarily therapy, and then I did some psychological testing, like uh, IQ and ability assessments, personality assessments, um, things like that. But the majority of it was one-to-one individual therapy, and that was about 30 hours of my week. And I don't know what made me realize it. There's nothing profound here to share other than one day I was like, (gasps) I'm doing what I said I never wanted to do. And, (laughs) but I think that the fix for me was that I was good at it. I was very good at it. And I loved it. I love this. I love having this one-to-one connection with people, but God's path was about to steer me literally off a cliff. I mean, God is not reckless. God is deliberate. Okay. And so my saying became be deliberate, look reckless (laughs) because (laughs) what happened is that my path did look reckless and I, to get to the crux of it here, the shift that happened. So I was on the traditional path, the come to the sign, you know, that's like sharp right turn ahead. That's where I was, but I didn't know what was there until um, I started having trouble sleeping at night and here's the kind of what I refer to as a crisis of conscience that, that I experienced that I believe God graced me with was that here I was in this business and in order to get paid for therapy as a provider, you, when you're using a third party payer, like an insurance company, you must submit a diagnosis. And if you don't submit a diagnosis, you don't get paid. Okay. Well, I, uh, God was revealing to me his creation, the uniqueness and the beauty of his creation as he was intending us to be. And he was sharing with me all of these experiences that uh, equip us to be perfectly human as he designed us to be, but that the enemy has twisted and turned into a problem. So as I was experiencing this professional crisis of conscience, like, I don't want to diagnose people. I don't want to tell people there's something wrong with them because I stopped believing there was something wrong with people. I I thought, why are we looking to discover the problem? Why all of us have problems, right? Like, why are we not looking to capitalize on who we were created to be instead? Mm -hmm. And God equipped us with a mind that is brilliant, brilliantly designed, To be able to not just get through stuff, but thrive through stuff, meaning grow, flourish, and prosper. And so many of us, when we're focused on the problem, we get stuck. We can't thrive. We stagnate. This is what's wrong with me. This is my lot in life. This is what I can expect for the rest of my life. And that's not the abundant life that God promised for us. So during this time, I myself was going through a significant period of anxiety. And I believe now that I reflect on it, it's, I haven't had this conversation enough. Uh, so thank you for making me aware of that. But now, as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing um, th- that sharp right turn was coming up. And because I didn't really know what that was going to look like, I just knew what I was experiencing. Um, I believe that's when the enemy attacked me with severe anxiety. And that anxiety was not anything about my career. It wasn't anything about what came next. It was all about me. And it was all about how I was a fraud. I was going to be found out. He was attacking my identity. I was a fraud. I was going to be found out. I'm not really a child of God I talk the talk, I walk the walk, I do the things, I read my Bible, I have a relationship, I pray, but you know, that doesn't really count, Sherry, you know, come on, you're kind of beyond redemption. These were the thoughts that were coming into my head during this time. And I would say this, the intense part of the battle, like on the front lines, because there are still remnants of that there. That pop up from time to time, but they're pretty easy to flick away now. But during that time, it was, um, I mean, it was full on warfare. And uh, my mind, whenever I wasn't with a client um, in that one-to-one, you know, place, my mind was being plagued with these fears with these thoughts. I mean, to the point, irrationally, that I would be like, the cops are going to pull up and come and arrest me. And then I'm like, for what? Logically, I knew there was nothing to arrest me for, right? But this is the extent of the anxiety and the fear (laughs) through my thoughts that I was experiencing. It was totally unreasonable. Yet it was so real. It was, um, it was almost debilitating. It wasn't debilitating because I didn't give up. Um, but it was a fierce enemy that I had to face and God showed me how to do that through a couple of different things. But a friend of mine, I was talking with her on the phone and I said, and she said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and you want, I want you to write down all of the promises that God made to you. So I did that. And that started me off on a, on a trail where I of little lies, big truths, which right now, if you've, um. Ever listen to my podcast, Thriving Thoughts with Dr. Sherry? At the end, I always say, My goal is to help to teach you to speak truth over lies so you can thrive. Right. And that's what I did um, during that time. I didn't know that's what I was doing, I didn't call it that. But, you know, in God's abundant goodness and plan for us, He prepared that path. He prepared me to walk that path. He prepared, He invented Thriving Thoughts through this horrific experience. (laughs) So I want to offer this to you and to anybody that's listening or watching that if you're going through a horrific experience and you're leaning on the Lord to get you through it, he's preparing you and gifting you for what's next. So that is how you grow, flourish and prosper in even the toughest spaces. I didn't know that then. You might say like, I'm on the other side. Yeah, I am on the other side, but I'm not because I'm always growing. There's always a new battle. There's always a new challenge. You never stop. But what happens is you start to rec- recognize the pattern. So what I did for me is I had a composition notebook and on one side, I wrote the, tr- the lies that were coming into my head, like you're a fraud, you know, you're going to be found out, you're guilty, you're unforgivable, you know, you're condemned to hell, you know, I mean, just you name it. Um, nobody cares what you think, all of these things. And then on the right side, I put truths. So, and I labeled them that I called them lies. I didn't call them bad thoughts. I didn't call them obsessive thoughts. I laid labeled them what they were, which is lies. And then on the right side, I put truths and that's where I put scripture or some form of scripture, right? Like I personalized it to, to me because this was about my identity. This is about who I was. And I needed to personalize it. And so I put the truths on the right side. So then what I did, because every time I wasn't with a person doing therapy or in a meeting or at a networking event, when I was alone, that is when I was severely attacked and plagued with these lies. And so I would open up this notebook and I would look, find the lie that I was th- experiencing at that moment. And I would read aloud the corresponding truth that I had recorded at another you know at a previous time and I sometimes Jessica had to do that probably I don't know I, I couldn't even give you a number I just remember it was constant open the book okay all right I'm good oh no I'm not oh okay, you know <laughs> Oh no let me let me pick it back up um and so I did that and that was waging war to me and it was me doing the action being deliberate about it and refusing to succumb to the lies, refusing to turn the lies into truths, because that's what we can do too. And so God equipped me during that time with a boatload of understanding and empathy about the thought wars that we wage as people. And so as I was coming out from the intense part of that, I then made the next step of uh, getting rid of all insurance providers because I refused to diagnose anybody anymore, And um, you know, business tanked. Um, I ended up doing some private pay stuff for people that, you know, could um prioritize their budget to that. Other people had to be referred elsewhere because it was clearly, you know, more than your copay. Um and fast forward then, this was about six years ago when I started that process. Um, and I don't there's a couple of things that I want to highlight in there, but fast forward now part of that experience of being so desperate to show people a new way to approach their mental health eventually, but, but being in that position to not provide it for them, because I didn't want to do it the traditional way. I didn't want to diagnose them. I didn't want to label them. Um, and then feeling like, but wait, I don't want you to go. I want you to be able to afford this. So the nonprofit is going to be there to, um, is there to provide, uh, this valuable information for free to anybody who's looking for an alternative way to approach their mental health. And so that um, experience then um, really, it was the birthplace of Thriving Thoughts. Um, It was the eventual birthplace unbeknownst to me of Thriving Thoughts Global, the nonprofit. It was the birthplace of what I do as a thought coach, of me writing books, of me sharing the message that it's possible to grow and it can be fun to grow. Um, and it's our obligation to grow and we can do that. In fact, we really only grow in the tough spaces in the dark, nasty spaces. We don't really grow when it's like sunshiny and, you know, we just kind of float around. But, um, so people, people to understand that Uh, the human condition is replete with suffering. Um, Scripture tells us when troubles come our way. It doesn't say if, when they do, when they do, when they do. And um, we can look at them differently. We can shift our perspective and understand that even this can be used to
0: our good. So you said that at what point did you um, realize that you didn't want to diagnose anyone and you wanted to prevent it when did that clarification come into play
1: um so that was that was or that was in about 2016 um Mm -hmm. so that was right during this um process uh during this whole during the the anxiety experience that I had. And, and then having, like I said, this trouble sleeping at night and realizing I'm not going to diagnose people anymore. And also understanding the implications of that meant that I needed to get out of insurance networks. And so that all happened to, to make that shift. And, and immediately, immediately as business um, shifted, I mean, this, this was literally overnight, pretty much, Um, I started going and doing free speaking engagements, just educating people on the authority that they were inherently dealt over their mental health, that the current traditional system um, does not value that belief. It's interesting. I was watching um, TV, not TV, TV, but like Hulu or whatever, but I'm, I'm a cheapo. So I do the ads one. And so the ads are all like pharmaceutical commercials for, you know, depression and stuff like that. But there's also pharmaceutical commercials for, you know, MS and um, HIV and some other things. But here is the fascinating thing. And I'd be interested to know if you notice this, it really struck me the mess, how, how the messaging is the antithesis of what they say they're trying to do. Let me get to that in a second. So if you look at like commercials like MS or HIV, they're all like happy, right? And they're like going and doing stuff and they're like, yeah, MS, you don't own me. Like they're like taking authority over that diagnosis. You know, I can live with my HIV and here's what I do. I can live with my, um, you know, Hep C or whatever it is, whatever the commercial's for. They're all like these empowered people riding bikes and, you know, all that. And then you look at the mental health medication commercials are you still broken and sad? Are you still suffering? Are you still, okay, well, let's add another pill. And then you go on about your day, remove the mask. They are juxtaposed. It's insane. The differencing in the messaging. Do you think that if
0: they took the same, like empowerment message, yes, in-
1: that would change the message. I am not against medication. I whatever medication has its place. That's not my area of expertise. Mine is right up here. It's what we control, right? I don't, I don't, whatever medication isn't part of the equation for me. But the point is the problem with medication being the primary narrative is that you can't do anything about what's going on and you need a pill to fix that. And that's the message. I mean, the message is I need a diagnosis and I need a pill. And then I can rest easy, but then nothing changes for a large number of people, not for everyone, but for a large number of people, nothing changes. And so that's where I come in to let people know that it's not, the other thing that it does is it stigmatizes the truth that you're human. In other words, if I have these thoughts and feelings, I must not be human. There must be something wrong with me. And that's not true. You know, in my years of experience doing therapy, doing one-on-one, in my years of experience of being me and dealing with what goes on up here, I know for a fact. In my years of experience of having family friends, I know for a fact, not one person who hasn't had periods of what would typically be referred to as depression. I don't like that word so much, but um, prolonged periods of sadness, of of sorrow, of uh, just deep uh, disillusionment uh, uh, or periods of anxiety or a thought that, you know what, it might just be easier if I checked out. Don't know what that would look like, but might be easier if I wasn't here. And so those, those things are common to all of us. They're common because the enemy is creeping about looking to see who he can attack next. They're common human experiences, but God equipped us with several things to speak truth over those thoughts. And, and the way that we interpret our situations, even if you look at a medical diagnosis, you know, like cancer or a or whatever, we are more likely to suffer if we believe we are going to suffer. I know that sounds uh, entirely too simplistic, but it is that simplistic. We our experience of pain is lessened if we believe that we can experience pain less. <laughs> this is just science. It's not, it's not me, but it's also the way God designed us. Mm-hmm. He equipped us to not live a life of suffering, but to live a life of abundance. And so the traditional mental health message is you will suffer. And this is your lot in life. And you're different. You're there's there's something wrong with you. And then the enemy gets in there even more. See this, you know, this is what's wrong with me. But the fact is that everybody has a mental health to take care of. If you don't, you're not human. You're, I don't know, a rhinoceros or something. But if you're human, you have a mental health to take care of. And we do, it's not something we teach. So Thriving Thoughts Global is a preventative educational approach to empowering people to exercise the authority that they have over their mental, emotional, and relationship health.
0: So do you think, um, you were listening to people's problems for 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Do you think that transferred over to you, um, yeah. and played into the anxiety or no, I don't. And here's why, um, So when,
1: when you're drawn, you know how people say I could never do what you do and how, how do you not take that home with you? And I got, those are questions that I got asked a lot. Like, how do you not take that home with you? How do you not worry about them? Well, God gifted me with a, um, a gift of compassion. Um, but also the knowledge that each of us has the power to make our lives what we want them to be. And so I didn't, I didn't own people's problems there, there was just something I could, I can't fix you. And in fact, I would fire people if I was working harder than they were like, I, it's not my job to fix you. That's yours. Right. It's my job to hear you and say, wait a second, is that helpful or is that not helpful? Right. It's my job to be a mirror to you, to show you the truth of yourself, and then for you to decide if that's who you want to stay or if there's parts of you that you want to change. And so I did not um, take that on, and I don't believe that that contributed to my anxiety. Also, I would would say that um, when I was in therapy, I didn't listen to people's problems. I helped people process their problems and figure out what to do about them, but not even problems. I listened to people sharing their lives. You know, they were sharing their lives. They were sharing things that they didn't share with other people because if they shared them with other people, then they would think there's something wrong with them. (laughs) Right. And so I was there to say, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. Like this is normal. And here's what
0: else is normal. You can do something about it. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, it answers my question. So you went through this period of anxiety and you had your truths and your lies. Um and your I I love how you used your truths to affirm what you actually believe. Mm -hmm. Um so where are you today? Where are you struggling today?
1: Well um I would never say I'm struggling. That's that's a I know I'm a stickler for (laughs) words. I believe in it. Um you know our thoughts are just strings of words and words are very powerful. Um, I believe it's bible that says the tongue is the most powerful uh weapon or muscle in the body or science says that the tongue is the most strongest muscle in the body so there's something to that when we think about the words that we use um i don't struggle i um i experience things and then i respond to them with choice so to to fast forward um those battles mind battles they never change they're they always just morph it's like situations in life when you get from one stage to another you're never going to get to a place where you go ah, everything is just peaches ever you're never going to get there i don't care how much money you have or how little money money you have that that's not none of that will ever make you go ah, if you do that, that's your last one. Like you're done. Right. Um, God meant us to keep growing. I mean, we're going to be living for eternity, right? Um, we can maybe sigh then, um, but we'll be (laughs) sighing differently (laughs) right now. It's, it's to pursue that, which he gifted us to deliver because we're here for a purpose. He designed us for that. So now, um, what's beautiful and and I really have come to believe this I've shifted my perspective so everything that I teach all of the principles that serve as the foundation of the nonprofit of the thriving thoughts message all of that God has gifted to me to go through um and so it's enabled me to have a compassionate and empathic understanding of those experiences of those spaces and I literally do live what I teach. Um, and so I shifted the perspective that when I have different mind battles, when the next level comes, when the next challenge comes, it sounds like a video game. Um, when the next thing comes, I will resting it for me in God's power. I will overcome that thing and not overcome as in, I did it as overcoming as in, I'm doing it. So I believe we're always overcoming. And so many of us, that's a lie that we tell ourselves, if I just get through this, if I just get to the other side of this, but then we get so disappointed when there's something else. (laughs) And so it's—it's instead it's equipping ourselves with truth to say, you know, this life is filled with mountains to climb and victories and valleys where it feels dry, where you feel like you're gonna have, just be defeated where there's no hope in sight. And you can walk through those, um, growing as a person, growing spiritually, growing emotionally, growing relationally, because when you fortify yourself like that, you can't help, but give that to other people. And so to answer your question, what am I overcoming right now? So the most recent thought battle has been as I've shifted and really started to not shifted, but as I've started to let the nonprofit bloom and really starting to get the messaging out there consistently this year, it's been um, an attack on God's identity, not mine. So the anxiety experience years ago was all about me and I was a fraud and I was this and I was, you know, past redemption, but the fear, which I'll call also anxiety because that's what fear is right. That's what anxiety is fear. Fear is anxiety. It's doubts. Um, Those thought challenges that are coming into play right now are about God's goodness. And, um, and it, it, the first, I don't know, first couple of months of that was just like, yeah, but look, Sherry, look at what's going on in your life right now. Look at the challenges you're facing. Look at the uphill battle that you're facing. How many times have you asked God for this? And how many times has he not come through for you? I mean, these are, Right. This is just the constant. And so at the first part of that was God, you know, God isn't, isn't good. He isn't who he says he is. And I know <laughs> Thank you, Lord, I know that God is good because I have dedicated myself to knowing who he is, having a relationship with him. And sometimes that me- I can be absent, absent for two years but I know him because I've, I have a relationship with him and I read his word. So I know he's good. And I know that he doesn't lie. Right. I know that the enemy does. So, I mean, it's really easy at that point to go. That's a lie. Again, identifying that that's a lie. God is good. And so then that drew me to, um, and this is several places in the Bible, but if you look at Psalm 136, um, it says, uh, let's see, it says this 26 times. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. It says it 26 times in one chapter. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And so that is my um, go-to verse now is for you are good and your mercy endures forever. So whenever the lies come in about who God is and who he's not, that's a verse that I repeat. And so then let me just... Uh, advise the listeners and watchers and you as well. What happens next is then he, the enemy is like, Dad, gone it, I have to try a different tactic because, you know, right. So then he's like, Well, of course he is good in his Mercedes forever, but probably not for you, right? Like, is he that to you? I, yeah, he's that in general, right? <laughs> but is he that to you? Do you think he's going to show up in your life for you for that reason? And so then I say, yes, because then I, I think of other verses like surely goodness and mercy pursue me all the days of my life. And those are things, those are truths that I speak aloud and it is a temptation. I don't know why exactly it's a temptation. I think that the reason it's a temptation to entertain the lies, um, is to exercise a sense of control, um, like if I explore all of the fears enough, then I can <laughs> handle what's coming. But really what happens is we end up having the snowball effect of lies upon lies upon lies upon lies. And, and then we're, we're, we're lost in them. And, it, and that can be a very difficult place to get out of. And so for me, it is as soon as the lie comes in, I don't invite it in for a cup of coffee. No, I show at the door and I speak truth over it. And sometimes you have to do that. 50 times in an hour but if you keep doing it that's how you overcome
0: so um we were talking a couple weeks ago and you shared a story about how little ways god was revealing his goodness and you Mm. told me this story about how you had a flat tire and your neighbor has this whole mechanic garage can you share that
1: story Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to share that, Jessica. So this was at the beginning of this journey. So this has been of this goodness battle, right? Um, At least six months. And uh, so I had just started praying and God was teaching me, you know what, Sherry, instead of asking me for stuff, he revealed to me, ask me to to show you who I am. And I said, okay, God, I know you're good. I know you are. So show me your goodness. I feel like um, Jerry Maguire, show me the money, right? I was like, show me your goodness, Lord. Show me your goodness. And so that's what I started praying every morning. Well, then one day I was with somebody. I got back home. We pulled in the driveway. And this was literally like the second day that I had prayed, show me your goodness, Lord. And um, we pulled in the driveway and she says, Do you know that you have a flat tire? And I said, No, I didn't. Now, in the past, before I was really fervently pursuing to see God's goodness, instead of fervently doubting it, um, I would have been like, oh my gosh, one more thing. Like, I can't take this See, That's evidence, right? That's evidence that God's not going to be good to me. But I said, okay, all right. God'll, God'll help me figure out how to handle this. So I call my next door neighbor and he was out, he was away from home at the moment. And um, I said, Hey, could you do me a favor? could you get air in my tire just to give me enough air to get to the place to tire place, whatever they're called. I don't know. So that I can get a new tire or get this one fixed. Now where I live, why was this important? Because I live like 20 minutes away from any place that can do that kind of thing. And um, some people would just say, well, just drive right to the corner. Well, I don't have that option. So I called him and he said, um, of course I'll help you. And he said, but I'll tell you what, I'll do you one better. We'll, we'll get it in there and we'll see if we can't get that tire off and fix it. I said, okay. So he gets home. I pull the car over there into the garage. He pulls the tire off, um, jacks it up in his whole, all of his fancy mechanical stuff. And he jacks it up and he pulls it off and he finds a bolt and like a bolt that was like, it was like an inch wide bolt. And he pulls that thing out of there and then he goes and he digs around in his workbench and he finds a brand new tire repair kit and he gets out the, it's like black tar stuff. I don't know how he did it. And he fixes everything and he plugs the hole, shoves the tire back on there, fills it up with air. Then he goes around and he proceeds. let's go ahead and check out all your other tires, Sherry. So he fills the air and all of the other tires. And then he says, do you have a spare? And I said, I do. He said, well, let's make sure that's up up to capacity in case you need it. So he pulls the spare out of the trunk, fills that up. I mean, I was just so overcome with God's goodness in that moment. I was so humbled and I recognized God's goodness in that moment because I was asking him to show it to me. I don't believe Jessica, had I not been asking him to show it to me, that I would have noticed it. I think had I been in the mindset of expecting one more thing to be evidence that God wasn't good in my life, that I would have seen that as a nuisance. Mm -hmm. See, this is one more thing I had to spend my time doing today. But instead, God made it very clear standing in that garage as I was about to thank him. I just started, you know, tearing up a little bit. And he's like, he's like, that's what, you know, that's what we do. We, we, you know, God tells us to take care of our He said, "God tells us to take care of our widows and orphans. He's like, I don't know which you are, but I'm (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so I, um, I get in the car and I get in the car to pull it right back around into my driveway and the song playing on the radio, as soon as I pushed the ignition button was, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life and i share that story thank you so much for letting me share that story today i share that story because it is so simple but it is so powerful that it is no accident that when you when you set your mind when you adopt a mindset to use you know a popular phrase when you have your mind set on something you will find it so if you have your mindset on having a crappy day, you are guaranteeing yourself to have a crappy day. If you're setting your mind on finding something good, on meeting something, meeting somebody wonderful, on experiencing human kindness, I promise you, you're going to see it. We always find what we look for, and that's a way that God gifted us. Um, he designed our minds that way, right? He instructed us. Think on these things. Think on things that are good. God was the first author of what it looks like to master your mindset. He tells us to hold captive all of our thoughts that are lies. Right. So, um, so yeah, this is, um, but you're going to find what you look for. So I, I hope you choose to look for good things.
0: Yeah. I love how you, you used your shift in perspective, looking at the negative and looking at the positive and going with the positive and finding that path. Um so one last question why does psalm 136 give you the strength?
1: Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> because
1: it's simple and true. And it's something easy for me to remember. Lord you are good and your mercy endures forever. Lord you are good and your mercy endures forever. I mean and if you look at this um In 136, it tells of all of the works that he does, but now that's a scripture that I say in response when I see an answer to prayer and that answer to prayer is God's goodness. So when I see, um, I just, I just did something the other day and it was something silly that you would think, why would she thank the Lord for that? because it's an opportunity because I have been pursuing his goodness and he's been faithful and showing it to me. And even if I work out and at the end of my workout, I say, thank you, Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever because he gave me the strength and the mobility and the energy and the effort and the, whatever the motivation to do that thing, but I'm recognizing it as God's goodness. And then I'm returning praise for that. And so it's this process of, um, not only setting your mind to what you want to find, but recognizing it then when you do find it and acknowledging it verbally is really important. And so that um, it just continues to affirm. And as I affirm, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you. It, it comes more natural and I'm seeing more goodness. You're an example of that goodness. God knows that I love to meet new people and be connected with new people who have a a heart for him, um, who have a gift that they want to share with the world. And, um, he connected me with you and that is evidence of his goodness. So to that, I say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures
0: forever. (laughs) It's beautiful. Well, thank you for coming on here and sharing your story with us and how God has paved the way for you. Um, I look forward to listening to more of your podcast. What was it again? So thank you can- for
1: listening. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Thriving Thoughts with Dr. Sherry. So it's on all available podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever.
0: Awesome. And thank you everyone for joining us here today. Thank you. Bye. Right. Thank you for joining us on today's path to get an official paid shirt. Go to paid.life and be sure to follow and subscribe on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we look forward to you finding the path that God has laid for you.